Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I was uh, fresh out of high school in the summer 1979 and I need to back this story up a little bit. Uh, My parents moved from the town that I had grown up in. My mom and stepdad moved and uh, it was in the middle of my junior year. I was able to finish out my junior year in high school that I was uh, a part of for those three years. But my senior year, I had to go to a different school because my mom and stepdad had moved. And so in the summertime of uh, after I got out of high school, I decided I'd go visit my old hometown and see some of my friends. Some of you young people will not be able to relate to this, but some of you will, the older ones. So when I went back to my hometown, I actually went to my grandmother's house and I began making phone calls. That was on the day when you had to go to a phone that was on a wall. All the way back then. I think we were out of the party line stage, but I'm not not even sure on that one. But anyway, which doesn't mean that you had a party when you were on the phone. It just means that somebody else might be on that phone when you picked it up. I know that sounds really weird, doesn't it? But that's how it was. Anyhow, I made phone calls to friends thinking, yeah, we're going to get together. We have a good old time. These were people that I'd spent countless hours with. So I make a phone call or two. And every time I got, if I got somebody, uh, because it wasn't attached to their bodies, you might not get somebody. And, and so, but when I got somebody, that I, I heard something like, yeah, he's not here. I'm sorry, he's out working today. Or um, uh, they're not able to do this. With, I, I'm sorry, can't. And I, I went down the list and I was probably on like my fifth person on the list, which means I'm, I'm getting down to the people that I don't, you know. I didn't come there to see them. And I tell you that story not to just tell you kind of a neat story about me and my past and and people that I'd been around. I, I, I tell you that story that when I left where I was currently at the time living in Wachula, Florida, to go down to North Fort Myers and see some of my old friends that I'd grown up with, the picture I had in my head was nothing like the picture that I found when I got there. You still with me? You ever had anything like that happen with you? How many? How about those of you who have ever gone to a fair or a theme park and you rode a ride and it was nothing like what you had pictured in your mind? Raise your hands with me. I'm not a big fan of those spinny rides. Anything that does that a lot and fast count me out of that one because I'm like I don't really want to do that 
uh, gives me a headache and I lose my balance. And uh, what's cool about that? I don't even like the teacups at Disney World. What you have in your head and what you experience, not the same thing. All of you have had experiences like that. I gleaned some thoughts from what is one of my favorite pastors. I love hearing him preach, Stephen Furtick. Over a year ago, I heard this message from him, and it stuck. And uh, I've got something to share with you. It fits so perfectly well in this year that I want to share it with you. And the passage of Scripture that he used is not a typical Christmas passage. But here's where we start. My title for my message, those of you watching online, any of you that are in-house, got an electronic device, if you want to follow along in your notes, or if you brought, if you picked up a bulletin when you came in. Um, by the way, I know Pastor Amy said it earlier, but we are serious about, uh, it, it may appear to those of you watching online and this and that, that we're not, but we are serious about your care in the church. And we paid for a very expensive device to spray, to fumigate this building between services and the rooms and the bathrooms. And we have people that hand clean and this and that, and they do that to, for your safety. We just want you to understand that. Um, and appreciate those of you honoring us by wearing your masks and such things when you're moving about. From Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Here's the passage. King James Version. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That means when God spoke. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And I know you've probably heard a message if you've been in the church a little while. That means that God spoke that from nothing came something. And it's hard for us to imagine that, isn't it? Because we're used to, Santos, we're used to working with things with our hands. We, you envision another chicken coop made out of a camper. Or an old tent. Or something, and it, it's suddenly from nothing. You, but it's not from nothing. You actually have something to work with. But God, from nothing, made something. The New Living Translation puts it this way. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. What we now see, this is your focus, did not come from anything that can be seen. Let me put it to you this way. I still remember this from Pastor Furtick. He said it this way. Have you ever had life hand you a whopper and it didn't look like what you saw in the picture? Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're living it. Yeah. You've made it to December. 
So all of you have been handed a whopper this year that doesn't look like what you pictured. An unseen virus messed up Easter, Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day, Thanksgiving. And now we're standing, staring down the double barrel of Christmas and New Year's. And it's poised to mess those things. It's not what you pictured. It's not what you pictured. We got governors over our states saying don't travel to other states. Too late. I already said that. I'm sorry, brother. I'm just, we won't put the camera on you. It, so it's messed up. Life has handed you a whopper, and it doesn't look like the picture you saw. And so um, I want to bring you this word today. I know it's going to help you. It may be a two-parter. I'm leaving that up to Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tell you I'm done after I'm today. So those of you who are visiting with us, I'm assuming that there's a few folks here with us today because your church closed down again. I'm, you're welcome here and I'm glad you're with us, whatever the story is or the situation. Let's, let's look at this, start off by adjusting perspective. How many of you made New Year's resolutions this year? Come on, lift your hand. Don't act like you didn't make no. Just because you didn't follow them doesn't mean you, you didn't make them. But there's nothing about this year that fits into the image you had in mind for 2020, is there? Let's be real, right? January 1, December 31st, we really had no clue on this whole COVID-19 thing coronavirus <laughs> when you laid out your new year's resolutions you did not have that picture in your mind did you what 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 life has handed you you had that you didn't have that picture in your mind and, and I want to ask you the question relative to that what is your image of God Has your image of God been affected by what you had in your own mind this year? No doubt some of you have a, had a different image of how God would treat you this year. I'm going to be real with you all today, right? I'm expecting you to respond as real people in a real world. There's not one person in this room. And even when we did start hearing about coronavirus... How it's unfolded, we didn't expect it to unfold how it unfolded. So you had a different image of how God would treat you this year. And maybe I could say it this way. Your perspective on God has altered because of the way something has turned out versus the way you thought or expected it to turn out.
I'm going to repeat that because I need you to catch it. Your perspective on God has altered because of the way something has turned out versus the way you expected it to turn out. I'm not trying to malign you or your faith right now. But I'm, I'm going back to the central issue today. Is there anyone listening to me in the room or even online who is living a scene that looks nothing like what you thought you would be living out this year? If all of you ain't raising your hands, I'm going to come down there and kick you. And then I'll spit on you and you'll wonder if I got coronavirus. <laughs> give you corona, but I can give you some antibodies. <laughs> Let's go back to Hebrews 11.3 because it gives a contrast between what God sees and what you see. Look at the word again. Here's what it says. But what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Yeah, and I know that relates to a virus too, but that's not really how I brought, why I brought the verse I brought here for this because it just happens to work that way. What we now see, you can't see the virus, right? Did not come from anything that can be seen. It can't be seen. The effect, in other words, of something we cannot see we can feel those. We can experience those. We are experiencing those. Everyone here has or had some idea of how things were supposed to be in your life. Every one of you. I'm not doing this for dramatic effect. I'm just warm. What do I mean by that? All of us had an impression of how things would be. Just like I, when I visited my hometown, you had a, an impression, you had an idea, you had a picture of the person you would marry. You know, every young woman wanted a tall, dark, handsome guy. Or something like that. <laughs> every guy wanted that woman with the perfect everything you had an impression you had something in mind look straight forward as I'm saying these things ladies and gentlemen just look straight forward and just nothing no elbows nothing but you had an idea what things would be like. You, let's get outside of that relationship and talk about you expected this year to get a promotion you didn't get. You felt you deserved. You got overlooked. And somebody else got the position that you had thought was yours. Those of you who, like us, have grown children, you, you had a career your children were supposed to have and who they were supposed to marry and what that was supposed to be like. And how, my, how things are different than what they had appeared in 
your head. You fill in the blank. You can fill in the blank with your story and your situation. And my question for you today is where did you get your picture? Where did you get your picture? I'm going to give you a dose of reality right now. Because if you got your picture from the airbrushed perfect photos on Facebook and Instagram, those aren't real. Or they are taken in those moments when everything was perfect. I tried to, I, I thought of this yesterday and I didn't do it this morning. I should have brought out a picture that I have, I think it's in my office, Amy, on the wall. I should bring it out to you and show it all to you because it's a picture of my three children posing. And I think Mark had to be about, he had to be seven or eight. No, he was six. He was six years old, I believe, in the picture. And then my son Tyler would have been uh, three, three and a half. And then Emily was just a baby. The only one smiling in that picture is Emily. <laughs> when Amy and I went for that picture, I remember it. It was at a Sears. Remember when they had Sears stores? Speaking of things changing, and we, we went to the Sears to have our photo taken, and we had the appointment, we had the time, but it was 45 minutes wait. I, my oldest child is six or seven years old, and I'm sitting in a store, not shopping, waiting to take a photo. They're all dressed. They all look the part, but by the time the guy's taking pictures, Tyler's looking at him like. That's the best we could get out of him. Mark's just one notch better. Now, Emily, thank the Lord. She's still a bumbling baby and she just went. She looked like a baby. But you don't know the backstory. The picture was nothing like what we deemed we were going to have when we left the house that day to take a photo that we're going to send to all of our parents, their grandparents and stuff like, yay, check this out. And they're all like. <laughs> the only thing they're thinking is get me home. Amy and I have been ODing on Hallmark Christmas movies. It's about the only safe thing you can watch. But, but can I say, sorry, put your finger in your children's ears right now. I'm going I'm to I'm call it emotional porn. That's emotional porn. Because it messes you up. It's not real life. It's not the real story. It's not a real picture. We like the movies because we know it's going to end good. And that's why we want to watch them, but it's not real. How many of you watch this, the show, This Is Us? Don't be afraid to raise your hands right now. You watch the show, This Is Us. All right, I want to tell you ladies something. It's going to ruin your day. Jack Pearson isn't real. He's an actor. 
No man can measure up to that guy. <laughs> Try to tell young pastors every time I get the opportunity and sit down with them and look them face to face. I, said, I say things like, stop comparing yourself to the guy that hits it out of the park every time. He gets, out and gets up and preaches every time. He does something for the kingdom of God. He, he started his church with eight people in a garage and now he has a thousand two years later. Stop doing that to yourself. It's beating yourself up unnecessarily. The picture you now have in your head is going to mess you up when you get out there and the best you can do after two years of ministry is 125. Every now and then, compare yourself to the guy that gets a base hit. Not the one that knocks it out of the park. I'm telling all of you this now. It's not just for pastors. Why do I tell you this? Why, I, I tell you this to, to say, run in your giftings. Run in what God plants in you. Do the best you have with what God plants in you. Why do I say this? Because somebody has to go reach the people that live under the bridge. That's not ministry, friend. You don't graduate from Bible school going, yes, I'm going to go minister to the people under the bridge. I'm going to start a church for people over under the bridge. They can't give you anything. But they still need Jesus. I thank God. You know we have somebody in our church that ministers to those people. They opened a, a home for them and, and, and have an actual church service for them. That takes special giftings. But how are we, here's my problem. How are we supposed to survive our real lives when we compare it to someone else's pretend life? Amy and I met a couple that we loved. They were people we loved. I'll stay on the platform so it makes you guys' job easier on the cameras. But I, uh, we, we met them about two years in. They married about a month or two before Amy and I married. And uh, good friends of ours. So about two years into marriage, we, we met with them over probably at Taco Bell or something like that. It's not like we could afford a great restaurant at that point in our lives, certainly. And so we were sitting there eating. And about 20 minutes into the conversation and the meal, they looked at us. The wife said, do you know we never argue? Amy's under the table knocking my knee. And I threw up a little. Yeah, it was a bitter, it was, that was a bitter pill to swallow right there. So we just laugh along with them. And, really? Come on now, really? No, we never argue. 
I can't testify to that. I couldn't do that then. I was like, what is wrong with us? We're riding home back to wherever we were. We were riding back home and we're like, silence, dead silence in the car. It was a little Honda Civic, so it's not, I mean, we're rubbing elbows. Silence in the car. I don't want to look at her. She doesn't want to look at me. We can't even go three days hardly without an argument. How are we? That's not real life. It's not real life. And if that's what you're comparing yourself to, I'm being a little, I'm speaking a little evangelistically here with this, but in honesty, if we're honest with you, at that point in our marriage, in our life, we're 40 years down the road now, but at that time, we didn't make it a week without arguing. I'll be honest with you. We didn't. That's not real life. And if that's all you ever compare yourself to, you're looking at a picture that's wrong. It's messed up. Sure, have it as a goal. But if you're trying to live up to that standard every day, every week, you're going to find yourself messed up in your own heart and head. So what picture are you comparing it to? Because I want you to understand something. Here's the point in the message. God sees something different. That's, that's the point in the passage that I brought to you initially. But now I'm going to make it Christmassy. So let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Here it is for you. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. And I could give you just this line, and that would be the basis of the message. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. But I'll give you a little more because it fits the Christmas story. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the backstory is important. Backstory is important right here, right now in this message and in this story for how Jesus came. Remember the first line though. This is how Jesus was born. This is how. If, if we're unaware of how Jesus came into the world, we will miss why he came. You got to know the whole story. You got to know all the sides to the story. You, you, you expect a king to come from a family of monarchy. But clearly the Bible story is that Jesus came into, he came in a lowly manner. Not the way we expect the king to arrive. It was so confusing that the leader of the Roman world at the time had all of the kids killed. All of the boys under the age of two had them all killed. So it's necessary that we understand that Jesus existed before mankind ever laid eyes on him. That's the backstory. Jesus existed. Here it is from John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Hmm. And we're starting to tie things together. Things 
All of this was created from something that was unseen, and Jesus was there. In the beginning was, the, the, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. That sounds confusing, doesn't it? You might as well say amen. It does sound confusing, and that's why we get confused over the Trinity. The word was with God, and the word was God. Well, we know that the scripture goes on to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, here's the point. God had a vastly different view of his... Earth. What, what God pictured was quite different from what mankind pictured. Even though he'd been prophesied. And even though they could follow the prophecy, listen, how do I know this is true? Look at what Mary said. You remember what Mary said? She said, how can this be? How can this be? In other words, how can I be pregnant? How can I have a child? I don't know a man. I don't know how that works. It's not what she pictured. She never saw herself being a part of this picture. God did. God saw something different from what Mary saw. And the story goes on to include Joseph. And Joseph, he was like, I got to change things up here. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to divorce this woman. He said, I'm going to put her away quietly. That's what Joseph said once he, he, he came to understand she was actually pregnant. And I know it's confusing. You're reading the word and you're thinking, what's up with Joseph? Man, he's messed up. It was his pledged woman is suddenly starting to show. He's not messed up. He's just being real. I, don't, I think I'm going to have to put her away. Because not only will this be a bad reflection on her, it'll be a bad reflection on him. Because it means he was sleeping with her. For everybody else, that's what they're thinking before he was married to her. It's a different picture Joseph had in his mind. Are you still with me? This is not what I had planned for my bride to be. Joseph had considered putting her away. Both of them had a completely different view of how the Messiah would appear. And, and here, let me now take this story and apply it to your life. Just like Jesus in our life, before things are seen, they exist. Or existed. What do I mean by that? Before you ever manifest something in behavior, it was a thought. Yep. Before you actually do something, you thought it. You didn't just suddenly go, well, I'm going to go out and get drunk. You know, I, I know there may have been a time in your life when you did, but you actually had a thought before that. I mean, after the fact, you're probably saying to yourself, wish I'd have thought that one through. Some of you woke up the next morning and said, I wish I'd have thought that one through. Looked around the room, not knowing where you were. How did I end up here? But it was a thought before it manifested. 
That's why we need to guard our thoughts. So there's importance in knowing how something started. Because just like there's a genealogy with Jesus, and you read that in the Matthew story. What predates much of what we read there from Matthew is the genealogy. You got three sets of 14 generations that lead to Jesus. And they're all listed there. And it would bore you to death to read all the names. And I would mess up half of them. But he, it, it, would, it would drive you crazy. But there's, just like there's a genealogy with Jesus that's important, we need to understand there's a genealogy with our behaviors. They start on a thought level. That's why it's so important that we understand what Proverbs 23, 7 says. Some of you King Jamesers will remember it differently than what it is in the New Living Translation. It reads, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. King Jamesers, you know it. As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. It starts as a thought before it's a behavior. That's why we need to fix our thoughts. Somebody say amen. Because I just talked about this a few weeks ago. I, I do believe Philippians 4.8 puts it this way. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. That means this is important. But look at what he says. Fix your thoughts. You have a choice. You have a free will. Fix it. Choose to think differently. Even if it starts messed up. Check your thoughts. I don't play hockey, but I know hockey players check each other. I think I know what that is. Isn't that when they block them? Like even when they throw them into the glass? Check your thoughts. And how do you fix your thoughts? He says, fix them by thinking on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts. Let me bring it to a conclusion. I'm going to put all of this, these pieces will fall together well now for you. Because what all of us have is perspective trouble. That's why the title to the message is Perspective is Everything. We're in first chapter of John again, but now we're down to verse 10. And look at what this verse says. He came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Perspective is everything. He came in the world, into the world he created... But the world didn't recognize him. I went back to my hometown, but I couldn't find my, my friends that I was using. It just wasn't the same. Perspective is everything. I thought I could hook up with my old friends. We'd just go have some fun, go somewhere. Everybody's life moved along. Like it does for 18-year-olds. You see, here's the deal. God looks at you differently than you view yourself. I'm going to say that again because I'm going, to, I'm going to repeat it or it's going to sound like I'm saying the same thing again in just a moment, but it's not the exact same thing. God looks at you differently than you view yourself. Mary didn't understand how this could be. 
Why? She didn't think she qualified. I can't have a child. I've never known a man. I can't have it. How does it, how can this be? She didn't think she qualified. She didn't think she was the right person. Even when the angel's there speaking to her, it's like, I don't, why are you talking to me? Surely she thought something's not right with this picture. Something's not right with me. Joseph, on the other hand, he thought this can't be right. I, I have to divorce this woman I'm pledged to marry. He had a different picture, right? So stay with me for a few more moments. And, and I guarantee you, you're going to get this because it's going to apply to your, your own life. It's going to apply to this year. It, it, J- Joseph's looking at it saying, I, I, this can't be right. What he pictured in his head was not what was unfolding in front of him. That's why an angel had to come to Joseph. Whoa up, bud. That's what the angel's saying to Joseph. What you see is not what I see. The angel sent by God to Joseph to let Joseph know you can't see what's about to unfold, bud. Don't abandon this now because you're going to miss out on something that will change your life and the world as you know it. See, that's the God perspective. God looks at circumstances differently than you. Remember I said you would think I'm saying the same thing. God looks at you differently than you view yourself. But God also looks at circumstances differently than you. So what's happening around you, God looks at it. He views it through a different lens. Everything about the circumstances of Jesus' birth reeks of not appearing right. Everything about it. I mean, let me go down the list for you. I'll just give you one point for your your notes. But he he shouldn't have been born in a stable. That's not where kings are born. He shouldn't have been born under questionable circumstances. He shouldn't have been born out of town without a proper place. Okay, we know they didn't have hospitals and such back then, but, but this? And under questionable circumstances, were they really married? Were they not? What's this? I don't know. Something's questionable here. He shouldn't have had to move to Egypt. Like his family was a bunch of nomads. What's my point? The point is, it shouldn't have looked like this, but it was all in the mind and plan of God before he came. Shouldn't have looked like that, but it is all in the mind and the plan of God before he ever showed up. He existed. Before ever mankind laid eyes on him, he existed. And the plan of God existed before we ever saw him or heard of him. God looks at circumstances differently than you. God looks at your circumstances differently than you. You see how it, it transformed those three main points? God looks at, I, I just said, under, under the last one, 
God looks at circumstances differently than you. And now I'm telling you, God looks at your circumstances differently than you. What do I mean by that? Before you ever encounter a problem, God's already pictured it. That's the whole point. Alpha and omega. We say it that way. It's alpha. But hear it this way. He knows the end from the beginning. In other words, at the end, he already knows the beginning. Or at the beginning, he knows how it's going to end. He's got it all. Before you ever encounter a problem, God's already on it. We already had the victory. We just sang it a little while ago. You may be looking at something right now in your life declaring, God can't be in this. Right now. God can't be in this. Wait a minute though. If God saw it, and if his word says all things work together for good to them that love God and those who are called according to his purposes, I guess God does know what's going on. And who are you to declare circumstances like COVID-19 are outside of God's reach? No, I'm not saying God brought it on. I don't believe he brought it on. Follow me for a minute. I guarantee you God didn't bring on COVID-19. That's from the pit of hell. But listen to me when I say this to you. It wouldn't be the first time that Satan thought he had it all wrapped up on how he would destroy mankind. When he thought the cross was a victory for him, when he thought the cross would lead to defeat for God in flesh, God saw things differently. Come on, say hallelujah. Because that cross became a victory. Just like his own disciples, you wouldn't have figured the cross into the picture. But God saw it differently. Without the cross, you can't be saved. You can't go into eternity with God. So what makes you think you have a better perspective than God? I'm here to say you don't. You don't. Because God looks through the lens of a big picture. Alpha and omega. And so I know God's got this under his control. I'm not, I'm not making light of it. People have died. People have suffered in COVID-19 year, the year of the COVID. I'm anxious to get over this year because it's messed up enough of our lives. It's why we've declared, I'm not shutting down the church, just not shutting down the church. You do what you need to do. We're not shutting down the church. 
I know you folks that are here are with me on it, so it's not, and that's like, thank you. But we're, we're, we're not shutting it down because the scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And I know that God's still in charge. But that doesn't mean we're stupid. We're not acting foolish. And I didn't tell you all of those other things earlier to say, now we can just forgive it. Just go on, just do what you want. No, we're not doing any, just anything we want. We paid thousands of dollars for the stuff to keep the place clean. Disinfect, for real. But God is still God. And I want you to see that in light of your situation, in light of your story, and whatever's set for a moment, COVID aside, but some of you are living a horror story right now. You need God to show up, and you need that perspective that reminds you, God is still in charge. He pictured it before you ever saw it, and he saw it differently. He saw it ending differently than you see it. If you'll grab a hold of this by faith right now, God writes your story based on your faith expectations versus the circumstances appearing horrible. And nothing I can do about it. There is something you can do about it. You can believe that the same God who put the cross in place is in charge of your story and situation. And you wouldn't have figured the cross into it. And what Jesus is going to do in his second coming, that's what all of us are looking forward to. That's what his disciples were looking forward to. But that's still going to happen. We always want the conquering warrior on a, a, a wild-eyed horse, stallion, white, wiping out the enemy with every foul swoop. But he's still God right now in your situation, in your story, and you can trust him no matter what you see. The things that were made were made from something that did not exist. But they were seen in the eyes of God before it ever appeared. He knows you. Stand to your feet. Minister Robert knows what I want to sing because we did it in the first service. I want to take you back to, a, to an earlier song that we sang in I know it's late, but I want you to get to the one line at least. Hallelujah. That reminds us the battle belongs to the Lord. So I want you to sing a couple of lines before we pray and close out the story. And I want you to make sure, Robert, make sure we get to that second verse. Where it talks about the cross. All I see is the battle. You see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, 
you see a mountain move and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me there's nothing to fear now for I am safe with you High. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. Come on, look at this verse. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is the cross, God, you see the emptitude. Find out, find on my knees with my head lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. So when I find, I'll find on my knees with my head lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I'll lay at your feet and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. I'm going to pause there for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Give God praise. The battle belongs to the Lord. just one last moment with heads bowed and eyes closed nobody looking around if you're watching online please give me your attention for this moment if it's possible that you've made it through this part of the service and you're not in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ I don't want to end this service without giving another opportunity for you to make things right with Jesus so if you're here and things aren't right between you and God and you know it and you and 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 if the bell were to toll and it was your last breath to breathe is there a question mark on whether you go to heaven and if there's a question mark there I want to remove that today so lift your hand say I need to remove the question mark with a big old exclamation point that looks like a cross lift your hand say if that if that's you I need to get things right with God I'm not leaving this place with a question mark I want to leave here knowing things are good between God and I not seeing a hand if anybody's raising it maybe you're watching online and and you're getting this message at this point listen pray this prayer with me even if you're watching online and you can you can send me an emoji hand right now say Jesus come into my heart forgive me of my sins 
be my Lord and Savior and help me walk this walk purely and upright before you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. And from this moment, Lord, I'm yours. Amen. If you prayed that prayer online or even in the house again, and I didn't see your hand, but if you prayed that prayer and you mean business with God, you got to get in a good church. You got to walk this out. You got to stay on the path. You can't just get on the path and, you know, like any path, if you're headed for a destination, you want to make it to heaven, you got to know how to walk the walk. And you need to be in a good church that preaches Jesus week in and week out to know how to walk that walk. Amen. I want you to go victoriously as you walk out of this place today. I may not know all of your stories and all of your situation, but I know God does. He's seen it before it ever happened. He saw it before it ever took place. And He's still God. And if you're going to fight your battles, fight your battles on your knees in faith. Amen. God bless you. Put your mask on as you walk out. We love you. and look forward to seeing you next week. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here in taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.